Welcome to ContenderCast, a global leadership and consumer industries entrepreneurship podcast centered on shining a light on bright ideas. And now, here's your host, Justin Hahnemann. Thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for downloading. Thanks for subscribing. It's Justin Hahnemann and the ContenderCast for shining a light on bright ideas. Today, you're going to love my guest, David Perry. He's a CEO and co-founder of Caro. I'm so excited because we're talking all about e-commerce today. I mean, it couldn't be more a more important and interesting time to be in the space. David, it's so great to have you on the podcast. Thanks for inviting me. Dude, I'm so excited. Um, I mean, I, as we were talking about before we hit record, I have so many guests on that are new brands, uh, brands launching new products, packages, and whatnot. And I, what I think is so cool here is you're like creating a marketplace. You've created a marketplace. And um, we're going to talk about that and how you got there um, shortly. Before we get there, how about share with our audience a little bit about you and your background before launching Caro? Well, originally, um, I'm actually... Uh, well, one thing, I'm extraordinarily tall, just just so you know. You can't tell. Uh, <laughs> really? <laughs> We're on Zoom, by the way, and we don't record yeah, video, but I can tell. like see I'm you. Ridiculously but... <laughs> tall, but I'm from Ireland, Northern Ireland, which makes me an anomaly because I'm a very strangely tall person walking around the streets of Northern Ireland. Um, <laughs> nice. No red hair and freckles. Um, but... The, the reality is that the, the, the video game industry is what captured me. It was the most unbelievably interesting thing to me at a time when the video game industry didn't really exist there. And so I started making video games in my bedroom, which, by the way, is, is fun because it's freezing cold outside a lot of the time. There's a sort of a running joke in Ireland. It only rained twice this week. Once for three days and once for four days. <laughs> I haven't heard that, but I like it. <laughs> so in reality, uh, the gaming was just a wonderful thing for me to do. But I didn't realize that it was starting to take off. And so I ended up leaving high school to move to England to take a job in the game industry. I get offered a job. Um, and it wow. was that urgent thing, like, get on a plane, come to England, let's go. So that was interesting. But then I realized the power of branding. So imagine, you know, I'm probably about 17 years old. I don't, I didn't really understand the power of branding until um, I made the game, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And once that game hit number one, <laughs> it suddenly my whole life changed because it's a bit like the music what? industry where you... Uh, if you can get a number one, then you start being relevant. And so I, I started to get, you know, um, lots and lots more um, offers to work. But what was interesting was every time I made a game I wanted to make and nobody really cared because you have to then teach everyone this new thing. And every time I did a license game, my career would just go crazy. And so wow. um, I, I sort of would pepper those in along the way. I did the Terminator for... Um, no um, how long does that take though like and i know there's probably not one answer but like give us a sense for when you say that like how long did that take to make each you know, of those it, games it's a great question because it's it's actually depends on the year it was made every year oh they, interesting they yeah longer and longer and longer every single time until now games take years it's like a huge project um, why though like and i know we're not here to talk about that i'm just curious I, this is what i love about doing this podcast where, like you get you learn all kinds of cool things what why though what takes i mean we're so down to the point where they're doing sweat simulation 
you know that's got that, it yeah like, I could, I could <laughs> see. teenage mutant ninja turtles was not like that yeah when i started it was all black and white actually and the graphics were terrible and the sounds were just beeps so you had beep 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 and and so in reality i didn't even need an artist and now you have simulation <laughs> think about how things have changed right? true it's, it's so funny what technology has evolved too to support it I, I i know you worked with atari which I, of course when i saw that when i was preparing for today i was like oh i love playing like missile command back <laughs> anyway i'm dating myself but, yes, but, I mean, but you know, that's fun then but what happened there was we we got the rights to the matrix you know the matrix movies um, right. and, and made that game um at the peak of the matrix and what, amazing and what happened was atari wanted that game so bad they bought the company and so that was um that was a fun exit um, but, That's amazing. But uh, you know what? It, the Atari business card was the most incredible business card to have. Because wherever you go, whatever you do, you're walking through in an airport and you're, you're <laughs> right. they're, they're so like, true. You know, what do you do? Well, I work at Atari. They're, they're just like, oh, well, hold on. You know, let me tell you my story about how much I love Atari. Right. And, uh, it's, it's like a lifestyle brand as much as, you know what I mean? Like for those yeah. of us who grew up with it best ever I, I i all kinds of stories and crazy crazy things have happened with that card um but ultimately um i i ended up um, getting really interested in where the game industry was going so where where is the future of games um and i believe the future is not going to require everyone to buy the same console and have it at home and in a way when they make a console they have to keep the cost down to try to make it so that everyone can afford it. And the problem sure. there is that means you're not getting to play the games the, the way they could be created. So Got it. we came up with this idea of putting games in the cloud. Um, and then you would have unlimited resources and games can be much more powerful. It'd be like a PlayStation 10 in the cloud. And so we started <laughs> building this and, um, and Sony bought the company. And so wow. I ended up working with Sony for five years, Sony PlayStation. And it's now built into the PlayStation. It's called PlayStation Now. And um, oh, wow. so that was a fun thing to sort of think about. Um, you know, as an entrepreneur, the question really is what to do next? And the answer is think about where things are going and then say to yourself, if you built that thing, how would you beat it? And then go, well, how would you beat that? And how would you beat that until you run out of ideas? And, wow. and, that, and then go that direction. So cloud gaming's definition was every game everywhere instantly. So, wow. so what would it take to build that? Well, you're not going to be you're not going to be um, selling individual consoles. You need to be able to have it come from the cloud and stream to any device. And so, yeah, it was such a fun time. We had so much fun with this, um, and it was really fun to see how investors react to co to new concepts like that. So we would pitch investors, and they would be you know I would show them Call of Duty um, running in a browser instantly, and they would be like, eh, you know, whatever. And and then I would show them. Um, PowerPoint streaming to a browser. <laughs> You'd be like, oh my God, this is going to change everything. Like that's the real PowerPoint and it's in a browser. <laughs> it's like, really? That's the exciting part. Uh, and it, just, you know, it just depends on who you're pitching. It really does. But ultimately, well, we got investment off streaming PowerPoint. Um, so wow. in reality, wow. um, though, I think this is something that you're going to keep seeing more and more and more over the, maybe the next 10, uh, 20 years. You'll see a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of things are just going to appear and be available instantly to play. Wow. I mean, what an amazing, like, story and backstory. Um, you gave us a good segue uh, into thinking about what's next, and I'm guessing that's what led up to Caro. Um, your next 
acquisition and marketing channel is cross-store selling is what you guys say. You um, use the phrase that I've heard a lot lately called collaborative commerce. Uh, share with us where the idea came from here and how did it initially get started? What happened was I, I semi-retired and I built a, a, an awesome man cave with 3D printing and woodworking and metalworking and photography and you name it. And in that space, I found that I was using photography the most, and but I'd found that no one really cared about my photos. Um, so um, that changed when I started taking pictures of social media influencers. So when you take pictures of influencers, people really care. And that got interesting for me because it meant that I was able to spend time and talk to them and find out what it's like to be a real influencer. You know, and I, I'd have some of my daughter's friends there that did 15 million followers and sure and you kind of go 15 million followers what's that like to be talking to them every day and they the, the long story short is they found that they're getting troubled by brands all the time um like sell my candles or tell everyone these are the best candles in the world and it's like i don't even use candles and i, I was spending time my daughter would invite uh friends we'd have dinner um and you know at, at one of the girls there was like 12 and she's making thirty thousand a month and it turns out, you know, all the makeup companies are going after her, but she doesn't even wear makeup. And and I was, she was at the time very excited about some backpack that she had and all the other girls loved her backpack. And I was thinking to myself, I'd rather be the backpack company than all the, all these makeup companies just sending her endless makeup. So um, then I started to think, well, there's got to be a way to solve this. And I, I met my uh, co-founder, Jason. We were actually teaching students entrepreneurship. And, wow. Um, and so no way. That's cool. We were in a room together, and he was sort of really getting deep into the subject um, of how do we get brands and influencers to work together. But if we made it data-driven, the idea was to try to help you find the influencers that actually like and buy your products. And could we work that out? And that's what we spend sure. a lot of time on. And so it's quite it's quite shocking when you reach out to an influencer that likes your <laughs> brand already. Um, you can imagine they're like, oh my God, I've been buying your products for years. I love your brand. That's the response. So that's what we built first. Um, but then when COVID hit, we realized, you know, this is great that we're helping people get attention. But what really is going to help is um, is getting extra, you know, just straight sales. How do we just get more sales for you? Um, and we looked at our network of brands. We have over 30,000 brands installed now. Um, okay, which, wow. Which is a lot. Uh, and, and if you think about that together, that's 350 million visitors a month that they share. Um, right. But they don't share them. That's the point. Right. Okay. Perfect. All right. But you have raced ahead, which I love. Like, how did you, when you decided we're going to do this platform, what was first? Like, was it getting the retailers? Was it, you know what I mean? How did you get people engaged in it? Or how did you bring them together in this type of community? Which, and, and give our audience a big idea of what the community is, how it works. Yeah. So the hard part is uh, if you're ever building a network, um, it's like a, a catch 22. It's really hard until you've got enough people and it's not really a network and it's not worth anything. So how do you get, yes, to, agree. That? How do you get to that tipping point? Um, and uh, there's a book on this called The Cold Start Problem that Andrew Chen from Andreessen has recently put out. And he talks about come for the tool and stay for the network. Um, and I like that. That's cool. Yeah. So the trick is to build something useful um, sure. and people will come for that. And that was this influencer technology. Um, they came for that and then and then they stay because, you know, we're, we're actually adding lots of other cool things. So, but, um, but this idea of, um, 
of trying to get people to work together was was really intriguing to me. And um, and you know we've hired an incredible team of people to build the the software to do it. But sure. um, but ultimately. Um, I just went to a marketing conference and everybody at the marketing conference was talking about iOS 14 and how Apple is going after Facebook and advertising is becoming more difficult and, and Apple's not giving up, by the way, they're, 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 they're going to make it even harder. And so, um, you know, they're all talking about how to squeeze more blood from the stone, like from those clicks that you're paying for. And, and, and no one was talking about, well, what if you just partner with other brands that have traffic? Um, right. So that's really the core concept here is there's plenty of people with traffic. And if you make products, why not put your products into their traffic? Like if I make helmets and you sell bikes, you want to sell my helmets? Because if I can get my helmets in your bike store, I get your traffic forever for free as long as we remain friends. Right. And so totally. <laughs> how many different entities out there, skateboard stores and all kinds of different stores I can put my products into. But surprisingly, a lot of people don't do this today. Well, they couldn't. Got technically, it. technically, it was hard. It- um, well, I was going to say the tools weren't there for it, right? Yeah, and then you, you're you on Shopify. So talk about that linkage. Yeah, well, Shopify has currently about 2 million brands. And so maybe maybe more than that now. And ultimately, that means they have everything. If you're into magic and you want magic, they got it. If you want to, to do, I don't know, charging cable <laughs> for electric cars, they've got it. You know, right? whatever you need, there's a company in their network that does it. So the concept was if two brands want to work together, if they both install our tech, they effectively get bridged. So it, it's a bit like a dating app. Um, you know, everyone inst- everyone that wants to date installs the app, and then they choose who they want to date with. Mm, that's kind of cool. And we have some of those those problems of dating apps too, because some people are really popular and they get buried with requests. And so we're having to design right. around how do you make it so they don't get so buried. It's actually quite a a process. So, um, but that's what we've been building is this this ability. So, what actually happens, just to be really clear, is when you connect. So, one person's making helmets, one person's selling bikes, but they don't have any helmets. Well, hold on a minute. Here come the helmets. You you have a choice. You could go and buy them wholesale, um, which means you're going to be choosing the colors and buying you know, maybe one color because it's the one you like the best. Um, or you're only going to buy a few different uh, sizes because you don't want to be left with a bunch of inventory in your sure. warehouse. So what we do, stop all that, just take take the actual sort of digital connection to, from the supplier right into the retailer store. So now you have all the helmets in all the sizes and all the colors at full inventory of the supplier with the product descriptions and everything and the photography. You just literally click and, and it's the connection happens. And now you're going to find out what your customers want to buy. Like what they're going to choose the colors they like and the sizes they like. And you'll actually learn. Um, but the, the twist here is, you're not actually paying for any of that stuff until a sale happens. So after the sale occurs on your on your bike store, then the helmet company gets paid. So you didn't you didn't have to put money down. You didn't have to have warehouse space. You didn't do all this freight and shipping mm-hmm. and insurance. The margin improvement is profound, and uh, and so then then what happened is we found ourselves in this interesting situation where I I, I now I'm thinking a lot about influencers and brands and how they can pair. And the reason. Right. Is, 
that the most successful influencers that the Kim Kardashians and Rihanna's who are worth over three billion now um, is because what they do is they take they, they're managing to get their followers and convert them to customers and, and they own um, actual online brands and so the thought process being how many influencers today have actually done that and gone and built their own um, e-commerce stores and own all their customers um, and the answer is wow. It's probably less than 1%. Um, there's about 60 million of them. And so there's an enormous amount of opportunity here to help influencers start to own customers because they've been using codes and links, and you know, affiliate uh, links. They even do merch deals where the merch company owns their, their customers. So, Got it. you know, so ultimately they're, you know, they're just not building the enterprise value of owning a real store with real customers. So imagine you sold, you're an influencer and you sold 100,000 electric bikes and you own those customers. The entire e-bike industry is going to be begging to work with you. Right. They want to partner with you. Right. So this, they require, the twist is influencers don't want to actually have warehousing and do all that, um, you know, enterprise um, sort of store management they want to use their influence to be able to sell, and and then they want to be able to go jump off a cliff in Hawaii because that's what they need to sure. do. Um, sure. <laughs> you know, well, to to be fair, they they have so much work to do just to build content. It's hard, and right. so um, to you know if if the brands can take care of the all the logistics, but but they get the retailer cut of the sale. Um, the whole relationship changes because now they're not an affiliate. They're not getting this little tiny piece. They're actually the retailer. They found the customer. They converted the customer. They sold to the customer. And, and by the way, now you get the order, which are sure. like orders from heaven because there's no customer acquisition cost on those orders. Um, right. Right. You're just getting orders delivered straight into your Shopify store that you did You did actually nothing to, 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 uh, to achieve other than allow a retailer to, to sell. So... Um, the question is, how much of that do you want? Like, how much free attention do you want? And how does the revenue model work for you all? Like, I feel like you're kind of the matchmaker a bit. How does that work for you in terms of the revenue model? Well, we have we, we get paid um, um, in two ways. One is we we take five percent of the sales. So this is if if you were to open up your you know a finance sheet for a, a brand, this adds a whole new revenue line for five percent. Um, so Got it. The point is, don't change what you're doing today. Keep doing what you're doing. It's just the new revenue line um, for five percent. And then, um, depending on the level of support that a brand needs, we have a subscription because sometimes they they literally require their own engineering and whatever. Sure. It depends on the on the on the craziness of the the requirements. But um, but yeah, we're doing some incredible deals now to get um, uh, you know, you're going to see um our uh, the products from our brands appearing on television um you know um oh, that's cool very cool media sites um we're we're literally um <laughs> we have incredible um deals in the pipeline i'm super excited about it. 2022 is going to be insane uh, <laughs> that's an exciting problem and you've been at this for a couple of years right i think three or four years is that right Did i get yeah, that right yeah so we've been uh th there's a lot of technology required to do this properly because sure. there's many different edge cases with all these different um people build their stores nuances yeah they tag everything differently like we literally have um artificial intelligence looking through um, trying to work out how to make all of the products from all of the stores work together and we have um, a team in the Philippines that are checking so that the computer is making is using computer vision and 
trying sure. to work out how to how to make sense of it all, and then we have humans to check that the computers are getting it correct. Um, Amazing, but, but also cool how that's evolved, right? <laughs> but it's all that stuff that that people generally just you know the reason is 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 no e commerce brand agrees on what categories there are and what tag right. you use. No, <laughs> no, no, it's no. so true. It doesn't line up to retail easily. Um, when did you know it was going? It was going to be successful. Are you still figuring that out? In other words, was there a point where you're like, okay, we're starting to get uptick here. We're seeing seeing new activity. We're seeing our our trends. Like, what? How has that looked over the last couple of years? Well, what happens is is you you keep building the tech, and you're like, it's gonna. You, you know, you're talking to brands, and the brands are like, uh, I guess the signal and the noise is when brands start investing, and we've had multiple. Um, brands, really cool uh, consumer brands invest in our, in our company. And in certain cases, the entire C-suite. So every single person wow. in the C-suite at, at a major um, brand, um, we've had multiple and, and influencers. So we have influencers investing too. And so those are the signals as you're working along that, that you know you're onto something that they're excited about. And um, and so we, we just... We just kept we kept our heads down and we've been building and building. But this year is a bit different because this year it's all working now. So there's lots of brands using it um, and um, and making money from it. It raises if you use our platform correctly, it raises your your sales about eighty percent. Um, wow, quickly. amazing! Yeah, so it's not it, it's interesting. I mean, I'll, I'll talk to a company who's who's got they're making spaghetti. And um, and and we, one of the techs that we have is uh, is upsell at checkout. So we we network based checkout upsell, which means instead of putting just your products in checkout, it can be others as well. Right, <laughs> that's cool. So but that. then you have to have a personalization engine in the back end running yeah. like like product and whatnot. And we do. So so imagine. So do you want me to upsell your spaghetti with your spaghetti? You've only got three different kinds. And then you, <laughs> right. And, and then you go. Well, what <laughs> right. are you going to do in the future? You're going to make. And the answer is a fourth spaghetti color. Um, and it's really cool. Were, hold on. Look at your website. Your website has absolutely stunning um, recipes with beautiful photography, you know, nice table lays, um, cutlery, plates, um, all of this stuff. Um, and yet what you're telling me is, is you want everyone to leave your website to buy what you're recommending. Like, I want that for dinner. I want that experience for dinner. And, uh, and that's what that when I was saying earlier about when influencers are becoming um, brands and brands are becoming influencers, when a brand puts something on their on, on their site that's really nice, what they don't realize is they they are in their brain going, we sell spaghetti. That's all we care about is in that recipe. All we care about is the spaghetti. But what's actually happening is is um, consumers look at the whole picture. There's someone looking at the cutlery saying, oh, I love that. I, you know, what is that? What brand is that? How do I get that? Um, but they're also looking in the room, you know, like, is there, is there something somewhere else in the room that they like too? Um, and that's what happens to influencers. So when an influencer posts, you'll see them sometimes uh, with, you know, trying to sell sunglasses, but you'll see in the comments, oh my God, I love that bag. What bag is that? And everyone's discussing and trying to work out which bag it is. And that that's, that's the truth of social selling is that they want, there's somebody wants everything in the image. It's a bit like eBay. There's a buyer for everything. Um, sure. It's a bit like that with social media. And so um, what we realize is, is that, you know, is, is there a way we can do that? We've actually even add, add, added bundles now to let you buy multiple things at once just to make it even easier for the customer. Wow. But that idea awesome. of, uh, of uh, influencers, 
being able to sell anything is actually changing people's minds. So I'll give you an example of that is today when you go to a concert, they sell merch. And the thought is that everything that, 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 that this band or this artist is going to sell has to have their logo on it. Their logo, right. Not merch, right? <laughs> but in reality, when you see Bono with his sunglasses, it doesn't have to say Bono on the sunglasses to get you to buy them, right? Right. It's people like, so true. I mean, they're tastemakers. And so if your brand is 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 a tastemaker, then you're, you're the equivalent of, a, of an influencer. That's very cool. What a great idea. Um, and it's so interesting to think, Anyway, to help some of the up, upstart brands as well are looking for you know the, the sales tick. Um, you've learned a lot of lessons in your startup career. You were talking about being a coach to entrepreneurs before uh, launching this business. Um, what what would be two or the three of the biggest things or pieces of advice you'd offer to our listeners? We've got a lot of entrepreneurs that listen to this podcast um, that are launching their own brands, packages, companies, etc. What would be two or three things you'd offer to them as things to think about as they're you know potentially launching something that might go on your platform? Um, well, f- for us, I mean, yeah, I'll cover both sides of it. So just uh, for, for working on our platform, it, it's really quite simple, which is is just give it a try and uh, talk to the team. Um, in fact, the way to do that is if you go to our website, getcaro.com, um, so getcaro.com, um, you can install it into your store. But what I'd highly recommend is emailing us at hello at getcaro.com. And mention this podcast, and we will take really good care of you. So, so make sure to do that. Um, we do have one requirement: is the business has to actually be making money. We currently have a cutoff at um, at five thousand dollars a month. So that's not that much. But if your if your brand is actually, uh, it's just the stop. We can't have have uh, partnerships with brands that haven't sold anything yet. Um, and there's a lot of people on Shopify that are just getting started. So, so we have a cutoff there, but other than that, if you, if you give it a try, then, uh, I think you'll, you'll, you'll really enjoy it. Um, again, the, the growth potential is, is in a way unlimited if you really lean in hard. Um, but then as far as entrepreneurship goes, um, I, I, I've had quite a few things that I think over time that I'm starting to go, Hmm, that's something that, that that's really helped me out. Um, and, one of them is is actually getting to uh, getting trying lots of different things. So, like the fact that you're doing this this podcast, you're learning so much about so many subjects. And ultimately, what that's doing is that's creating your ability to have rapport with people. And so true. <laughs> that's you, so true. And some, stories, right? References, right. Yeah. references, ideas. Oh, I I understand that business. Uh, you know, and the idea that you can start to build this ability to walk into a room and talk to someone and it doesn't matter what they're into, you're going to be able to survive that conversation. And and the twist to that is that means you have to be open to trying just about everything. So if somebody says to you, let's play golf, you're like, oh, I'm not interested in golf. I'm sorry, you need to play. Um, Someone goes, let's go scuba diving. I'm not into scuba diving. You got to do it because ultimately you (laughs) build that experience, that sort of uh, collection of experiences, you're going to find that it really helps when you get into a relationship because quite commonly um, the people that you'll meet, they're into something. There's something that really, really drives them. And and so if someone says to me, oh, I'm into photography or whatever, I'm like, oh, dude, I got you, you know, uh, right. Woodwork, totally. Photoshop. I don't care. I, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm able to carry the conversation. And so, sure. That's been really helpful for me. And an example I use of that is I was on a plane to New York once and there was this guy beside me. And I I, I, I said to him, 
I thought to myself, you know, I wonder what it is. Like, what's the rapport with this guy? So I, I turned, he's an older guy. And I said to him, um, you know, what do you do? And he said, I, I import iron ore. And, and I, and I was like, dude, I got nothing. <laughs> I, I don't no, know. No. I can't help you with anything. <laughs> <laughs> literally like, you got me. And, and he was playing um, um, a handheld video game, a tennis game at the time. And I said to him, oh, I know the guys that made that video game. And he goes, oh, I invested into that video game. Uh, no way. So I'm like, oh, That's wait, cool. wait. <laughs> now we have something. Yeah, we got a connection. Boom, boom, boom. We're going to go. <laughs> no, we have a nice chat. And then he, uh, he says to me, look, I'm going to go and see you too tonight at the Madison Square Garden. Would you like to join me? And uh, what? I'm like, yeah, sure. Let's do it. Uh, <laughs> let's you know, go. Sounds great. Turns out he's super wealthy and he had a whole row of seats right over the stage. Oh my God. And all these what are the chances? Seats. Yeah. Uh, and I'm like, who is this guy? Um, <laughs> so in reality, uh, you know, you have to say to yourself, but what if you didn't, if you don't turn to the person? And so I once gave a commencement speech in, in Ireland and, and I talked about this idea when a door opens, you have to walk through that door and, and how real entrepreneurship is about, um, of course, creating those opportunities, but then taking them when they happen. And boy, they hated my speech. Oh my gosh, the the the, the dean was like, "It's not about luck; it's about education." <laughs> Sometimes, well, though, right? Uh, I mean, who knows? Uh, who you're sitting uh, to next to on the next plane. Crazy stuff happens. Uh, just one funny one. Uh, when I was making the Matrix, um, I get a call. Michael Jackson would like to play the Matrix before it launches. Could you arrange that? <laughs> Were you like, wait, are you are I'm you kidding? Like, I'm sorry, you know, wrong number. I can, I can make that happen. And then they're like, well, can you bring it up to ne- Neverland? Like he's there right now. I'm like, let me get okay. my car. I'm on my way, and I go up there, and it's that kind of thing where you get into these interesting situations that you have to be prepared and ready for. It's not something that you can plan. It's not my education doesn't make that happen. It's it's a case of these situations occur because of the way the world operates and, and you've got to be able to jump in and enjoy them. So, and you got to put yourself out there and be like open to the possibilities, right? You yeah. know what I mean? And one, one, one second one is um, something I say to all new employees is, is um, I'm allergic to what I call hurdle pointers. So have you ever been in a meeting? Where, <laughs> hurdle pointers. Okay. Yeah. Give me the example. You're in a meeting and someone keeps telling you why you can't do something. Like oh, yeah, I can't problem, 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 yeah. problem. They love to tell you why you can't move forward, right? <laughs> um, I hate that. And so yeah, we have a culture of jumping hurdles or kicking them out of the way. And I would say if you're stuck with any hurdle pointers, you got to get rid of them. You got to, it's, it's, it's awful. It, it's like dragging an anchor with you um, when trying to do business. And so what I found is when you talk to people before they're hired about this, then they 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 literally it changes their dynamic. They literally say, "I'm kicking over the hurdles," and you hear about I love that solving something that was actually quite hard. It was multiple steps, but they're they're now at the end of the track, and they got it done. And um and and I love that because I, I, I appreciate and I know how hard that was. But they they just kicked over the hurdles as they went. Um, those people are worth the wait and cold. And so that's awesome. Or they opt out if they're worried that they may not be able to do it. You yeah, know? Yep. Yep. Oh, I'm not sure about that. <laughs> you know, um, man, what's so great, great advice. Um, such a cool platform and background that you have and great stories and, and things to think about for our audience. Share with our audience where they can find you, connect with you, learn more, opt in, et cetera. I would say 
um, uh, LinkedIn, but my LinkedIn is at this point um, <laughs> almost capped out. I know, I saw that. I would recommend uh, get Caro. <laughs> yeah, just go to get Caro. Uh, give it a try. Um, again, email hello at getcaro.com and uh, and tell them about this podcast. That's the best way to do it. That's awesome, man. Uh, David Perry, so great to have you with us. Um, Co-founder and CEO of Caro. I will hope to see you in Ireland. I'm going to be there in a couple of weeks for Consumer oh. Goods Forum. So we'll have to try to meet up. That would be really cool. Enjoy. But it's been uh, it's great having you on the show today and look forward to having you back on. Such great advice. And we'd love to have you back on down the road. Sounds great. Thanks so much. The Contender Cast is sponsored by Henderson Shapiro Peck and powered by Contender Brands. You can download additional ContenderCast episodes directly via Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, iHeartMedia, YouTube, and other preferred podcast platforms. If you would like to be a guest on the ContenderCast, connect with us at ContenderCast.com. This is Brian Benson reminding you that every winner started as a contender.